What's up, everybody? It's your boy Scott here, back in the house once again with another fantastic episode of Rebunked. Uh, this time we're talking to the legendary Matthew Raymer at Content Safe, contentsafe.co. Make sure you're all up on it, especially if you're a content creator. You guys, we talk about it in the episode, but if you're a content creator, if you're worried about censorship, if you're worried about your content slipping away and never to be seen again, they do an awesome service where they back up your content, but that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, the best thing now as a content creator myself who likes to get my information out to as many platforms as I possibly can, but I also live in a realm that is constrained by time to where I can't literally spend all of my time every day uploading to every single platform like BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, blah, 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 all the blah. Ah, it's frustrating. It takes a lot of time. Content Save will do that for you. Like literally, you just upload your video to one platform and it shoots it out to all the other ones. Kind of like, you know, if you're on like, Podbean or or Podomatic or some of these like MP3 audio podcast distributors. It's basically the same thing for your video content. So contentsafe.co can't t- can't tell you how great like Matthew behind the scenes. Like whenever there's an issue, I'll just message him like, "Hey, bro, that video didn't do this or didn't do that." Like, like oh, I'm on it. You know, anytime of night or day, he's on it, dude. It's so great. So contentsafe.co, um, very very much in alignment with uh, you know liberty, truth. Totally on the level, so you guys look into it. Look into it for sure. Um, fantastic conversation goes all over the place. You know, he's over in Southeast Asia, so it gives us a nice, unique perspective about what life is like uh, on the other side of the world. Well, <laughs> that coming from just an American-centric human being here. I know we have listeners all over the world, which is really awesome. Like, literally, it's so funny. I know we got listeners in Russia. I know we got listeners in Ukraine. I've seen it on the charts. I got listeners in... Serbia, we've got listeners in Botswana, like it's all over the place. It's so cool. So hello to the entire world. I just love that we're on this awesome journey together, trying to get to the bottom of it. And, uh, you know, this, all the craziness, like each one of us deep down, if you're probably tuning into this show, you know, you know, what you know is that your government doesn't represent you. People of the world, you have to understand that the U.S. government, these Joe Bidens, these Donald Trumps, they don't represent me. They don't represent my friends. Not at all. Not at all. So I'm just, you know, sorry. You know, <laughs> uh, hopefully this is like the the burning off. Like every, it's all getting burned off right now, right now, like a tick, like a tick being, you know, that's just like burrowing into your skin, right? That is these governments of the world. Like hopefully we're just going to burn them off and be left with uh, a new prosperous world that we can all elevate and rise up to new achievements as new technology develops, kind of like what we talk about in the episode about these new promising internet protocols that uh, hopefully we'll be able to innovate and create more freedom and prosperity in the world. So something to be hopeful for. Um, So yeah, it's a great episode. Hope you enjoy it. Um, If you guys do enjoy the episode, if you guys get any value out of the episode, you can support uh, Rebunk. You can support the work here by going to rebunk.news. Um, that's the website. There's some value for value donation options at the bottom, or you can join the subscribe star. So subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked. I've been doing some bonus content, um, and, uh, super stoked about it. So if you just can't get enough, <laughs> head over to the subscribe star, like five bucks a month, literally five bucks a month. You can support this show. You can support the work that goes on here and, uh, hopefully allow the show to continue to grow and reach new new, new degrees, new levels. Um, I've got all kinds of crazy ideas that I want to implement 
as we go on. Like, I want to produce this documentary, and I haven't quite figured out the proper way to do it. Um, but I do have a documentary I want to produce, and it's going to require, you know, a lot of effort, a lot of time. So we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, I haven't quite pulled the trigger on that yet, but it's uh, ruminating in the back of my head. So best thing you can do um, is you want to get value back for your contribution to the show is subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked. So let's see what else we got. So best way to follow the show, to get the most uh, up-to-date information, to get involved with, like, the chat, uh, like, uh, the chat comments on each of the posts is on Telegram. So t.me forward slash rebunked pod. Um, that's going to be my favorite place to send people. Here, we'll do the little we'll do the little thingy here. There we go. So if you head over to Rebunked Pod um, on Telegram, at Rebunked Pod on Telegram, you're going to be able to just get all the immediate show drops. You know, it's not al- algorithm controlled, so you just get the immediate whatever. If I'm sharing an article or a meme or whatever, just a thought or a little quick little live stream or something, like you're going to be uh, pretty much up to date as opposed to like Instagram where, you know, I got a couple hundred followers right now, but it's like I post something and gets like five hits, five likes. It's like, whatever, you know, maybe I just suck. I don't know. Maybe it is only five like worthy. I don't know. But at the same time, I believe that a lot of people just aren't seeing what I'm posting. Unless you're on Telegram, then you see it all. So t.me forward slash rebunked pot. Also, you guys, if you want to uh, really help the show, you know, regardless, I would say just share it with a friend, share with a family member, give it a five star review on iTunes. Um, that helps drive the show and maybe pop it up and be uh, presented to more people as they log into their podcast app. Who knows? Who knows, you know? Um, but yeah, just share the show, like the show, subscribe to the show, all that fun stuff really helps uh, helps the whole thing grow and uh, we will all prosper together. So, all right, guys, I think that's it. Much love. Oh, you know what? Let me take that back. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about our health here. So we're going to talk, pull it back and talk about our health in terms of heavy metal detox, right? Heavy metal detoxification. We live in this world where we're just bombarded with things being sprayed in the sky. And, you know, if you're drinking out of your municipal water out of the tap, um, some of the food that we eat, like sometimes we just, you know, we ingest, like we're just bombarded with all these toxins, man. And it's just brutal, this world we live in. And so... The best way that you can, uh, you know, fight against that, well, one of the ways you can fight against that is using uh, TRS. And so you can learn about that at truthtrs.com. Toxin removal support, TRS, is a heavy metal detox spray that you just spray in your mouth. It's five sprays a day, and it uh, goes throughout your body, absorbs all of the heavy metals, neutralizes them, and then allows you to pass them out through your elimination channels. And uh, it's just a fantastic product for... And you'll, you'll see results. You'll see results. I promise you, you know, you'll, you'll, for me, it was the brain fog. Uh, you know, I've been a lot more cogent and on point and sharper after having used it for about a year. It was really after about like a month, maybe a month and a half. I really felt a very significant difference. And if there's ever been a period of time where I go without it for a while, like I started to be like, Oh man, like it's uh, you can tell, you can really tell. So uh, truthtrs.com to learn more about that. And please follow them on Instagram too, at truthtrs, And uh, you can learn all about Heavy metal detoxification. So, all right, now, without further ado, here's Mr. Matthew Raymer from Content Safe. With me again, returning champion Matthew Raymer from Content Safe, uh, contentsafe.co. It's important to remember it's the .co, not com. It's not a typo. It's contentsafe.co. That's how it is. So, all right. Well, Matthew, how you doing, brother? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Yeah, just as we were saying before the show, uh, it's part of my regiment every week. Uh, doing a hike three times a week, six to eight miles. And I feel a little tired at the moment, but overall I'm doing pretty good. And I think the hikes have helped out a lot. You know, during the lockdowns, we didn't do any hiking for like six or eight months. 
And is that a result? Of, like, were the trails shut down? Were they like restricting people's access to the hiking trails? Well, or? you know, hindsight is always clearer than at the oh, moment. Totally. The, it, it was really just the first two to three months that they were restricting people going out to mm-hmm. exercise. But we kind of overreacted a bit and we stayed in, not because we were concerned about the coof so much as we were, we just didn't want to have any friction with people. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what we found is once we got out that nobody cared, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't bother you. It, they don't care. You're not wearing a mask. They just, they just let you, you just do whatever you want. Totally. Just, right. Uh, we've only seen a few people who like, they see you without a mask and you know, they like, yeah, they, they, they get, but that's even that I don't even see that anymore. Good, good. Well, well, I mean, for our listeners that may uh, be not familiar with your work, or your background, maybe tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, like you're in a different region, different part of the world than probably most of us are. And uh, so maybe there and then and your background and yeah, we'll go from there. Well, I've had a very eclectic life uh, and it, let me try to keep it, you know, to the five minute thumbnail. That works. <laughs> uh, I was born in Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky, and I was raised most of my childhood in Southern Indiana. And fairly early on, I was attracted to music and pretty rapidly from music into math and science. And I ended up triple majoring in uh, physics, computer science, and math. Went off to start a PhD in physics. And after my first year, I just said, no, this is not what I want to do with my life. Uh, and I ended up in computer science, got a master's, got a bit of a travel bug because while I was in graduate school, I had quite a few friends who traveled a lot and uh, ended up uh, traveling to Southeast Asia. I met my future wife in Hong Kong and I ended up uh, proposing to her getting married in 95 and uh, we ended up staying in Southeast Asia from 96 forward. So I've only been back to North America twice in 20, nearly 30 years. Wow. Just twice, twice I went back. Yeah. That's fascinating. See, back, I, I've known your story, but I didn't realize you were there that long. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah like literally. Yeah, like, well, like, you know, wow. It, it creeps up on you. You know, you just don't realize how long you've been here. And yeah. like, well, I, I, I've got all my papers here. So and since I'm married to a local, mm-hmm. I have a lot less headache with paperwork. So at least that, that's a whole hour discussion right there. How, okay. how I got my paperwork and the headache that it took to get it. But uh, whenever I would, cause I don't really travel that much, even before uh, the, the lockdowns, I didn't really travel that much. Maybe every year or two, I would travel out on a, a gig for, maybe teaching someone a technical topic or something like that. And I usually freak out the immigration officials because they're like, uh, when was the last time you left? And like, Oh, six years ago. Oh, well, that's kind of strange. I said, well, it's a permanent residence, right? I'm not supposed to be traveling in and out, <laughs> in and out that much. Uh, but yeah, so we, we had a few kids. Uh, I got a son and daughter uh, in the, or in the late nineties. And the only regret there is I wish I'd had more kids, but, uh, that's, um, you know, it is what it is. We started doing consulting in, uh, 
Metro Manila for the early internet. But it turned out to be too early. Wow. <laughs> we were four years too early. So no one wanted to talk to us about setting up websites. We were talking to people in 99, 2000 about setting up websites. We were off offering package deals that no one would offer until four years later. And we had a handful of clients, but, you know, it just didn't get enough traction to make a living off of it. And we got involved in a few other little side businesses. Uh, but around 2003, I just said, you know what? We've been renting apartments for 10 years or nearly 10 years at that point. And I, well, you know, I think we need, to, we need a place to live. We need a permanent place to live. So I got involved. I contacted my, my college classmates and they, they all got me gigs. So I started doing freelance stuff in the early 2000s. Uh, for some fairly large companies and actually some of my classmates were connected to government uh, stuff and that got me a place to live. We pay for our house. And so I'm actually in my basement right now. Um, th this house is now two, 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's great. So, yeah. And, and then, you know, we, we, we just started building the company from there and we, it, it was really under my name until 2007, but we uh, incorporated in the U S as an LLC anomalous design uh, LLC out of Nevada. And that got us involved in a lot of stuff because of our earlier projects as me solo, I, I had a fairly good network and around 2010, 2012, I would say was my moment of kind of waking up and realizing that a lot of the stuff that I had been told as a child about the way the world works was true. Mm. And that's a whole other story by itself is what was my process of becoming aware that, uh, that the world is not a friendly place. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's interesting that you phrase it that way, because I think a lot of people phrase it in terms of like, or, or most people's experience is more so like, you know, I was given this prepackaged version of what the world is. Right. And it was, uh, you know, my, whether it's schooling or parents, and then I grew up and I come to find out that it's completely different than what I've been sold. So it sounds like you're saying is like, maybe as your, your upbringing, you were given some of these little red pills as, as an early as a kid, like, what, what was that like? Was it your parents? Well, or well, how, how yeah, did... it was my, it was my parents. Uh, and you see, I'm the last kid. I'm the oh, last okay. child in the family. Uh, my mom was, uh, 37 whenever she had me and she, she passed away in 2020, uh, during the first lockdowns. Oh man, I'm sorry. And, yeah. Well, she was out of her mind by that point. <laughs> so it was a shame But the woman that I, that raised me was gone by the time she died. Uh, the, um, she had her first child, my eldest brother, when she was 16. So I was like really late in the coming on to the game. My eldest brother volunteered for Vietnam. Okay. Yeah. And my, and, and my dad was, uh, oh my goodness. I don't, I don't know for sure that his anti-establishment sentiments began there, but I have a strong feeling they did. 
I know that he, he was trying to get my brother to migrate to Canada to avoid the draft. And my brother just went ahead and volunteered and was dead within six months. Oh, really? And, oh, man. I'm sorry. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my family had a history totally. of not trusting the establishment. My thing was, I was a very good student. I, I was at the top of my class. And I had, it's like John Taylor Gatto said, the people who are successful academically or in business have the most to lose by believing these narratives, by believing uh, if they contradict the prevailing narrative, they have the most to lose. And that's very true. I found it to be very true in my own life. Uh, another thing that happened along the way is moving to Southeast Asia. The first thing you get is, okay, governments in Southeast Asia are corrupt. And they, yeah, they are. But the more I lived here, the more I met like locals, because my wife's family is fairly well connected and you get to meet people. Like I have one long-term friend that is like the equivalent of uh, Delta force. Okay. He's like really, he knows a lot of things about the dark side of everything. And the stories he would tell me, I'm like, Oh wow, it's terrible here. It's terrible here. Be on guard, watch out for yourself. But then the more you realize like, wait a minute, we, the Americans, the West taught a lot of this stuff to all of these people. Mm -hmm. So oh, it's yeah. not like, it's not like the government I came from was somehow pristine and pure and virtuous by about 2012. I realized no, it's absolutely it's good PR. It's good marketing. That's what the West had. I don't think the Mars, the West no longer, the West no longer has good marketing. It has terrible marketing now. It, it ruined its brand. <laughs> I, I would absolutely say so. I mean, I feel like that's a very deliberate thing that's been inflicted on us. Like, you know, in the terms of just all the political mm -hmm. correctness and wokeness, man, like, it's just like, I can't even imagine, like it always interested me to learn how other people perceive I mean, maybe that's just kind of selfish of me. Like, ooh, what do they think of me? You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, yeah, America, the, the thing that we've been sold since we were kids, that we're just like this, mm -hmm. you know, very virtuous, and we're just going to go spread love and democracy around the world when it's just like the inversion of that and the truth of it couldn't be further from the truth. It's all literal, like, corruption, like, literally, like, the confessions of an economic hitman, like John Perkins talks about that, about the, you know, basically just financially subjugating other countries and like now we're seeing corporate like american corporations doing that with the big pharma you know seizing or we're asking for liabilities in the form of like military bases just to be able to push your vaccines in your different countries it's like a different right. type of a different type of invasion you know and it's it's uh but then and then at the end of the day it's just just violence and murder and and just literal like terrorism like it's just like you just i can't even imagine like i try to put myself in these people's shoes you know what i mean like a lot of times it's like at the end of the day you know it's just it's just families you know everybody wants the same thing in this world we want to be valued and loved and cared for we want to feed our families you know and then all of a sudden there's just like this this descending just whatever just just floods into your country just starts murdering people like what the it's insane, man. I just, yeah. 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 It, it truly is. And, and, you know, if you listen to people, like I've had the opportunity to talk to people who they were children during world war two here. So they can tell you stories about what it was like to be a child during world war two here. And then all the intervening nonsense that happened since then. 
And you really begin to say, hey, this is what the America future looks like. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff gets tested out in Southeast Asia before it rolls out there. That that's my conviction. Interesting. So what like, are some of those what are some of those things that you're you're thinking? I, I think the I think the whole transgender thing was tested out here first. Oh, okay. And because the cultures here are fairly accepting, you know, people talk about prejudice against the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no prejudice against the LGBT community in, in Southeast Asia, period. Mm. They actually don't care. But in the West, they have more ideological reasons to care. So you can't really test it out, per se, in the West, except maybe in some cities like L.A., New York, places like that. But how would this roll out on a, on a national level? Yeah, I think it was tested out here first. Interesting. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, that here makes sense. Now. That makes sense. Are there other areas that you're seeing, like, maybe <clears throat> foreshadowing for what's in America's future? I, I think the way that a lot of stuff was handled with uh, taxation and regulatory bodies, what will people put up with? I think it was tested out here first. And Europe. Because, hmm. and I, you know, I have family talking about changes in the way business is done in the u.s the way land is handled a lot of that stuff is already the case here yeah but what i've also found is that uh and this is a kind of hopeful thing uh what i found is that ultimately there's a reality barrier that that centralized governments have to cross and that reality barrier is some things are just impossible to cross. <laughs> so what, what happens is you end up having sabotage. Mm. Uh, and like with the, with the lockdowns here, by and large, they were a failure. Uh, the only people who actually suffered here were the people who were, quote unquote, good citizens. What does that tell you? If the people who thinks are good citizens are the only people who suffer, what does that say about your policy? The policy's not going to work. It's not going to be applicable. Um, and, and that's the way I see uh, a positive here is uh, you don't have to protest. You just have to sabotage the way things work. And it, it doesn't even have to be coordinated. It's done just at, you know, individual by individual. They just, some people just refuse to enforce uh, a regulation. 100%. I mean, that's that's how we sabotage is we absolutely do not participate and we, we should remove as much of our dependence as possible on these systems. I mean, that's it, you know, and then and then just by virtue of not participating, that's the biggest FU you can give to them, you know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and I've heard stories from uh, the U.S. Up that I think were very optimistic to me about people just uh, saying, well, yeah, that's what the state level government says we have to do, but that's not what we're going to be doing. I have a, a contractor in Colorado that uh, he was talking to a local sheriff during the heat of the lockdowns in Colorado. And the local sheriff said, I have someone calls in saying that someone violated the protocol. We just tell them, well, thank you for calling, but we're not enforcing any of that because we don't have the resources to enforce it. Yeah, what well, like like we'll send somebody to change your diaper for you if you want, but uh, like, <laughs> like uh, I mean, do you need do you need do you need some sort of like uh you know public assistance with your with your? You some, <laughs> but other than that, like we're not sending anybody. Can you imagine like who? Oh my god, 
I, I still see it every day. The people that are just like the type that would call some, call the police because somebody's not wearing a mask. That's just like, I swear to God, like, it's, I think it's already starting to happen. Ten years from now, people are going to look back at this time, at this time. You know how we like look back at the 80s, you know what I mean? Like the 80s with like the kind of like your background there, your backdrop, it very much reminds me of like, you know, like everything was like that, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I have the, we have these like, um, I don't know, characterized uh, ideas in our head about what previous times look like. Like I have a, like a very characterized version, of, like what the seventies was like, I wasn't alive during the seventies, but I, I, mm. I feel like, you know, I have a, but I can't even imagine what people are going to look back on the, on this time, like the last 10 years. It's insanity. <laughs> it's going to be it's so, absolute, it's yeah, going to be so embarrassing. Insanity. I, I yeah, hope that these people yeah. realize all these people that are calling the police for not, not wearing masks and all the people that are driving around all by themselves with the mask on and all the people that are getting their fourth and fifth booster, you got to just kind of project yourself into the future and realize that you are going to just be ridiculed relentlessly for this period of time. You are on the wrong side of history, not just because you are complicit in genocide and murder and, and all these other things, but you're also just a fool and you're going to be mocked eternally. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, as I say, a lot of stuff, even though we have global communications networks, it takes three to six months for the things happening in the West to kind of percolate over here. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know about it a half a year before, well, actually, I know about it the same time people here know about it, but they don't realize the significance of the event until three to six months later. Yeah, interesting. And I, that's why we had politicians, because this is an election year for us. We've got, I think it's, May or June that we have an election. I think it's May. We have an election in May coming up. And up until about Christmas, we had politicians who had a, a national vaccine mandate as their platform for their election in, in 2022. As soon as the, the, it flipped to 2022, you started seeing all of those things about mandatory vaccines started disappearing. Interesting. Now they, the COVID narrative is still strong on the news. And if I go hiking, man, you can tell whenever they're really pushing some new variant. I mean, you can really tell because the masks, they come on and they go up. But the longer it gets from that push, the masks go down and they come off. And trying to get yourself elected because you're pro vaccine is not a good idea. It's a, very bad idea. Uh, but you, I, I just get the feeling that they want to keep this boiling or simmering on the side so that whenever the elections are over, they can put it back on boil again. Totally. Absolutely. But I don't know if they can get away with that. I don't know. They're probably going to try. And it's, it's shocking because they did like here in the States, like I remember here in Oregon and specifically, there was a period of time for like two weeks, they lifted all the mandates like back in spring of 2021 and then they put it reinstituted them once again, like right away, like after about two weeks and everyone just went right along with it. No problem. Like it just never happened. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Though I will say that if you listen to people like Peter McCullough, mm -hmm. he said many times that uh, at least in Texas, vaccine centers are empty. Mm -hmm. And that 
that the people's uh, the people are generally less convinced that these things are important or necessary. So pushing a mandate and, and the, the the lawsuits, I mean, pretty much mandates are are losing. I mean, there might be a few cases where they win, but yeah. generally speaking, they're losing. Well, they don't have like so, the moral um, the moral high ground, the moral authority. They don't have the science. They got really nothing other than the propaganda propping that whole narrative right. up. Right, and powerful. You know, in the last two years, that's what I started telling people here. I'm like, stop watching the news. Mm-hmm. It doesn't benefit you psychologically. What benefit? What positive benefit do you get out of watching the news? You don't get any positive benefit out of it. I would even include that as some alternative media. Sure. I don't see any benefit in listening to it. No, I, I agree. I've uh, I've kind of like. <laughs> had a veil lifted about people that I used to really look up to and consider. And I'm talking more like the mainstream, like the big, the big shows or whatever. Like I'm not talking about anybody mm-hmm. in like in our little immediate circle. Like I'm right. But I'm more talking like, you know, like the, I mean, I don't know, like even like Joe Rogan, I'm like, dude, you just, you just like, come on. Like you just totally you let well, us down. You know, that's you a, let us down. Like <laughs> that isn't, that is a nice rabbit hole. Yeah. Because I watch, you know, I figure part of my, business because content safe is one of my businesses yeah. i've got th- i've got essentially three or four businesses Amazing. but well i got good help i got yeah. good help uh the um i've noticed in the people i do watch that there's a re- kind of a repetitious disappointment i have in a lot of them and that is that they aren't quite bold enough or creative enough to express the truth in a way that exposes their le- the possibility of them being wrong. Mm-hmm. That, that makes might sense. be an awkward way of saying it. Yeah, no, that makes uh, sense. I mean, I got I got a couple that come to mind. I'll name them, though. Sure. I would like to have these people as clients, but this is a criticism. That's fine. Uh, yeah. I just won't, I won't name them. I'd like to have them as clients. But okay, good. I, let's Fair just enough. say that I've got I've got two I got two in mind. One is just a political commentator. Uh, young guy in his thirties. Uh, he was very adamant early on. He's very, I think that he's got a half a million subscribers on YouTube and he's getting up like a half a million on BitChute, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, very adamant early on that COVID was something to be concerned about. And I was like, if you know anything about the history of pandemics, there, there has not been since the Spanish flu a serious pandemic in the world, period. No global pandemics. The one that we have right now doesn't even really qualify as a pandemic. No. Well, now right? it does now that they change the definition, but. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> but even still, I, you know, even the 1918 one's kind of questionable. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think get, getting accurate statistics in 1918 would be very hard. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm going to give that the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Why not? But, you know, I, and I have to confess that whenever this first happened, I just happened to be traveling at when all this really started. Mm-hmm. So I was like in Montreal and thinking, are they going to lock down Montreal? And I got out about a month before they actually did. Wow. So I, I was lucky. 
I was, in fact, there was talk about me going back in December and like, well, that's not going to happen. So my thought is, okay, why couldn't you have said this in such a way as to leave some doubt about what health officials were saying based on history? We've, you know, Spanish flu aside, AIDS was not really a global uh, pandemic. It never really got to the level that they advertised it would get to. Uh, SARS, right? Ebola, Mm -hmm. all of these things. No, because that's just not the way viruses work. Viruses don't work by going out and killing all sorts of people because then they can't replicate anymore. So this guy is making a big deal out of it. Maybe I'm misinterpreting what he said, but it's that's the way I interpreted it whenever he said it. Uh, I would have been more, well, what I told friends and family, I'm not concerned about the virus. I'm concerned about how people react. Mm-hmm. And they they did not disappoint me. No, <laughs> they did no. not disappoint me. Nobody from the top down all the way to the bottom. Like, <laughs> nobody disappointed. Like, man, mm. humanity really kind of showed, like, I don't know, I think humanity has just been groomed and positioned for this spiritually and, and physically for a long time. We've been kind of like, like jellified. We've been kind of like just gelat we're like these gelatinous like little pleasure monsters that just walk around just like wanting wanting like pleasure and input and all the time you know i've got i've got another guy that i really like out of britain Mm. that he's uh he's a fairly well educated uh medical expert and i say i like him but i like him because he has such a calm presentation method it's not so much that i agree with him uh, he came out very early on pro vaccine and like, isn't that a bit early to be pro vaccine, you know? Uh, and recently he's red pilled. Uh, he got the Pfizer documents from the release and he was like, you know, this is unacceptable. We should have been told all of this. And mm-hmm. I listened to a show of, with him last uh, yesterday and, He was talking about the need for evidence-based medicine. And the problem I see with these people is he's like, well, that's what the protocols are. And that's what the government says we have to do. Therefore we have to do it. I'm like, really, 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 you know, something potentially could be life threatening and you're going to do it because it's a protocol. Now that's a spiritual problem, isn't it? Because it says that you're going to put your faith in this establishment. And what in the history of governance would ever make you put your faith in a government? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I see no evidence for that. No, not at all. I think people uh, definitely, that's that they're operating from a different place. I think even, you know, to a certain extent, I hadn't fully grasped that notion before this kicked off. Like, yeah, I've been going down rabbit holes for years, you know what I mean? But I just, I never really fully grasped the full implications of just like this blind trust of authority. You know, it's just been ripped mm-hmm. away from me that I just am unwilling to, you know, go down that road. But it's like that on the on the other hand, all these other folks, they, it's kind of like reinforced their trust 
and the government and all these people who were, you know, protesting Monsanto and, and, you know, big pharma for long time, you know what I mean? For, for decades, you know, all of a sudden now, now they've fully bought into it. Like these are the heroes. These, these public health officials are, are here to save us and there's no questions about it. You know, it's shocking. Right, right. Right. It's like it kind of opens up and reveals to you what they really, how they really thought. And it's like, well, I'm disappointed. Uh, there was another group, a couple that does a podcast since the, I guess, before the lockdowns. Maybe it began at the lockdowns. And I remember, maybe I'm being hyperbolic here, but I remember them dismissing people who were questioning upcoming vaccines as potentially dangerous. And I remember them saying, well, we're sure that these people have, that these agencies have thoroughly tested these things before they administer them. Well, this is the same folk that are now red-pilled and questioning everything. Sort of like mm -hmm. another big, you know, content creator, we'll go unnamed, that, uh, that was always, you know, trying to, pull back and not be too extreme. I'm like, yeah, I understand. You don't want to sound crazy, but this is a truly a crazy world that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just going to have to take the risk that people are going to think you're crazy. You'll be proven out to correct yeah, later. Totally. You want to see something really crazy that was sent to me earlier. Now this is, uh, this is just in the interest of just like, you know, question everything literally question everything. And so I'm putting this out there for the record for folks, but this was, uh, sent to me by a listener, Sammy, shout out to Sammy. Uh, but, uh, let's see, let's see if I can do this here on my old, um, uh, oh geez, it's giving me all kinds of crap. I was just saying, I'm going to share my screen here real quick, but anyway, so basically, <laughs> you know, we trust, we trust certain people and certain people like gain our trust over a certain period of time. And, uh, you know, a lot of these people that we've come to know in the, like, particularly in the um, medical freedom movement. Oh, gosh. No, that's not going to work. Hold on. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we, we've come to trust them, and then, like, you know, then we find out more information about them. But, like, let's see. I guess it's not going to let me. It says I have to, like, restart my. <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. Bear with me. Bear with me. Hey, no problem. Okay, yeah, I guess I can't. I have to change permissions and restart my browser. So anyway, but what I was going to say is, uh, let's see. So um, sent to me is a website called um, openpaymentsdata.cms.gov. So it's a government website. Okay. And uh, basically, if you go to their about page, it says, Open Payments is a national transparency program that collects and publishes information about financial relationships between drug and device companies and certain healthcare providers. And you can mm -hmm. like type in certain doctors, and it tells you how much money that they take from pharmaceutical companies. It's crazy. And, uh, okay. the one they sent me was Dr. Peter McCullough and it looks like he, the most, like his made mo the majority of his money from AstraZeneca. You got AstraZeneca, Janssen, Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> it's like, damn, so 41,000 bucks in 2020 from AstraZeneca. I was like, well, that's kind of, but you know, but you know, that actually makes sense. Yeah. But, but you know what? And so I'm not trying to disparage him, but, but you're right. So here's the oh. deal. So it's like, it says consulting fee, three thirty one twenty seventy five hundred bucks. You know what I mean? And this is like up to mm -hmm. the latest payment was like, uh, uh, looks like, like AstraZeneca four nineteen twenty twenty compensation for services other than consulting, including serving as a speaker venue. But, but honestly, I don't, I don't necessarily 
consider anything necessarily nefarious about it because that's how they make their money. You know what I mean? Like up to well, that. And if you look at, if you know his history, yeah, because I've been following him for yeah. a while, uh, he was completely convinced that the system could self-check itself. Yeah. And yeah, and he talks about that too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, this is where I think the problem resides. These guys knew the possibility of corruption, but said, nah, this will, this will get worked out. But they should never have said that because they think I, and I, I, I think they still think this. They think that the only way the system works is if people trust it. Mm-hmm. So you should, right. So you shouldn't do anything that would destroy trust in the system. Oh, oh, hold on a second. Yeah, no worries. Got my, got my snack to keep my energy levels there up. There you go. Nice. Especially after a long hike. Uh, yeah, hike and, and talking. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so my contention is that the system doesn't work if you trust it. Yeah. The system should be based on distrust that you, you can't allow pharmaceutical companies or bureaucrats to have, an, um, they have to prove to you beyond, uh, you know, re, well, I won't say beyond a shadow of a doubt, but they have to go to the extra mile to prove to you that you should trust them and they can't <laughs> mandate things because that would mean that they don't, they don't need your trust. They just, you just do what you're told. But Matt, no, they they, they did though. That. They did though. They ran all their own clinical trials, and they're the ones that collected the data, and they're the ones that proposed the data. And then you got the CEOs going on news, telling everybody that this is what you need to do, folks. Like it's just that's right. <laughs> so and to me, that a... seems like the ultimate. Uh, like that checks all the boxes. Like that seems totally reasonable to me. Like I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Just like that's less like what America at least, and then I feel like maybe. Other republics or whatever around the world may have that same idea at its very core is the fact that, you know, like the whole checks and balances system and just the whole idea that, you know, we don't like we know what a a government will turn into when the citizenry and everybody trusts it and just lets it run amok, you know, (laughs) when there aren't any checks and balances. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to watch the checks and balances basically just not exist anymore. You know, the question is, did they ever exist? Yeah, totally. Totally. You know who's uh, a you know who's a fascinating fascinating podcast. Somebody you probably would dig. His name's Legal Man. You ever heard of Legal Man? No, never heard of him. Okay, check Tell out a more. show. Check out a show called The Quash. And everybody out there, The Quash. It's one of those shows that it's kind of like what you were describing. Like like uh, you know certain content creators like have they build large platforms and uh, you know their livelihood is based on them. Maybe not saying certain things like they would be in jeopardy if they did say certain things or the, or the fact that them being right is, you know, hinged on, you know, their, their, their livelihood is hinged on them being right. And there's no way they could. But anyway, this guy, yeah, this I, guy yeah. will shatter mm-hmm. all of your paradigms. He will shatter all of your paradigms. And sometimes it'll make you a little black pilled. You'll be like, oh, my God, there's no hope. When you realize it at that level, like it's, it's, it's a great show. They're like 20 minute episodes. He's an ex lawyer Mm -hmm. or he is, he is a lawyer and he just, uh, breaks down like what you were saying. Like, did we, did any of this actually even exist in the first place? (laughs) Right. Or was it just good marketing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And and you look at like, could you have, could you have had a global level lockdown 40 years ago? No, you couldn't have. 
because the technology wasn't sufficient to allow coordination. Now you have a level of technology sufficient to have coordination. And uh, one thing that I think we need to be pushing more in our communities is building our own uh, infrastructures. 100%. Right. On top of existing infrastructures and in addition to on the side to existing infrastructure, because, uh, for instance, county or city level networking that's not connected to the Internet is possible. I mean, it's completely possible. You can do it. And there have been lots of mesh networks, for instance, done over the last 20 years. Uh, but it needs to be more. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to be able to uh, not be easily monitored. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that now we're getting into your area of specialties, you know, and I, and I definitely want to kind of steer the conversation in that direction. You know, one of the things that we're seeing, and I just heard this great interview with, um, you know, well, they're always great interviews with Ryan Christian, Last American Vagabond, and Whitney mm-hmm. Webb. It's like yeah. the most recent one. And they're kind of talking about January 6th and just like the overall domestic terrorist narrative and kind of the implications of some of these narratives that we're seeing as only those two can, like in the best, like those are like always the best conversations. And they were like Whitney pointed out, and this makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't know if I necessarily connected these dots, but the idea being that, okay, so they're rolling out this vaccine passport, digital ID, you know, that's kind of going to be the norm across the board. Like that's what they want in terms of a vaccine passport, which will then eventually mold or morph into, you know, a more comprehensive ID that kind of tracks every single data point of our lives. But also what she was saying is that it would be become eventually like you would need a driver's license to get on the internet. You're going to need like some sort of digital ID that, that they know who you are as soon as you log into the internet. And so in terms of private, like once we let go of that, like it's crazy because we didn't even have the internet. 30 years ago, like to what it is right. today. And now it's such a, like, like it's like a basic human right, you know, like we need to be able to have a full free uninhibited internet for the full, uh, you know, ex- exchange of ideas for humanity to thrive the way it's designed to, you know, the more inhibitions they put on it, the more it just restricts like humanity's like ascension to the, the greater places, you know, but what, what are your thoughts on? So, so the elimination of privacy, like we know that that's coming. We know that that's here. And uh, it's going to get only more intense. So what, what are your thoughts around all of that in terms of like the digital ID and, uh, you know, having to like verify who you are to get on the Internet? And do we have any defense against that sort of thing? Well, again, uh, we need to be investing in I, I would say first line of defense for us is local networks, physical on the ground mm-hmm. networks. Uh, I want the benefit of technology, but I have to be pragmatic in dealing with people you know, person to person, uh, supplying food for yourself, uh, information about your locale. Actually, one of the big problems of the internet is it gives you a lots of information about places that are nowhere near you. And they doesn't tell you much about what's right around you. Mm. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I think we need to reinvent intranet for our communities at first. That's great. Uh, it's right. As far, as far as the global internet, cryptography is going to be very, very, very important. And parallel payment channels are going to be important. Yeah. What is up with that? Like, it seems like at this point there would be somebody, you want to have like a trillion dollar idea, somebody to come up with something 
liberty-based that rivals things like PayPal. Like, why don't we have that yet? What is up with that? It's crazy. Well, one is it's a locked-up market. People like Peter Thiel and all of those folk uh, are, you know, hitched up to the global banksters. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, baby. Yeah. So people on this side that are trying to make free liberty-minded payment platforms, we don't like sacrificing children. So it's hard to get your foot in the door, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one is to just get people more uh, accepting of, accept of getting a paying with crypto mm-hmm. would be one thing. This is on distance. I'm a big barter guy. Mm-hmm. I think barter is wonderful in your local community. And I honestly think if they get what they want, barter is going to be your only option. Yeah. You're not really going to have an option for a crypto payment if they get what they want. Yeah. Matthew, but, you should look into making a fourth business, man. Come on. <laughs> well, I actually have a project that with a partner that is totally dedicated to barter. But uh, that one's kind of in a snag at the moment mm. uh, that uh, my partner's looking for funding. Gotcha. To get the thing built. Gotcha. Uh, which is another problem, you know, you've got an idea, uh, you can kind of flip the bill yourself for a while, but you got to put food on the table and you got to pay the light bill and you got to pay for servers and you can't, you know, you just got to have money yeah. and, uh, that that's, um, projects are great, but you got to have money. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I would say that cryptography is another thing that's important. Um, Activism, again, I would go back that the best thing to do is teach people how to get around systems so that they become less effective. But I I don't need to remind you that you don't really need 100% of humanity on a uh, system like that to make it cost effective. So I just don't know if they could actually pull off a massive scale uh, social credit system with payment controls for 7 billion people. Yeah. I just don't know if they can pull that off. Seems pretty unrealistic unless they were to just completely crash everything, just bring it, bring it all down and then incrementally bring it back in stages. Mm-hmm. And that being the yeah, way that maybe. they bring it back, you know, to me that maybe, seems like but- the ultimate, you know, yeah, but even if you'd crash everything, here's the only way I could see this actually working. Is if you kill off 6 billion people. There you go. That's the only way I could see it work. Yeah. And I don't think, even though there are long-term effects uh, for vaccines, right? Uh, definitely. I just read a thing from Steve Kirsch right before this uh, call that uh, he was talking about what he calls islands in people's blood. Mm. And he said that he himself had been double vaxxed and that he could see it in his own blood whenever he would check his own blood. So he said it's like been over a year since he was vaccinated and it's still there. It's not going away. So my friends who all said that we were going to see billions of people dead who knows maybe they're still maybe they're right but it's going to take more than a year or two for that to happen so shocking i mean they they Mm. did pull they pulled off quite the operation here it's pretty it's pretty 
incredible. <laughs> well, you know, if it was in if it, if it was the vaccine, or excuse me, if it was the virus, then of course it was a fail. But it seems to me more the injections are what was the plan. <laughs> And then not, everything that goes not, with it yeah. too, like just establishing this precedent that the government has the right to do these things. You know, the fact that it legitimizes the fact that, you know, now in the back of our minds, like a, a very large percentage of people are just going to be like, you know, the next time the government says, you know, whatever, people are going to respond and they're going to do it, you know? And, uh, yeah, but, but again, on the positive side, uh, it looks like only about 30% of the U.S. population is complying to the first booster. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Right. And it looks like you get to the second booster, it's getting even less that are complying to the second booster. And there were some informal surveys amongst Canadians last year, like, well, when will you object? And they said, well, if they ask for a fourth booster, we'll object. So yeah. even these people, the normies, have a limit to what they'll accept. Yeah, true. It's just, yeah, everyone's limit's different. Mine was crossed a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy. You know, I, I didn't quite finish what I was saying oh, yeah, earlier, but uh, that I, I had a bit of doubt, even at the beginning, even though I knew the history of pandemics, I still had a month or two that I'm like, well, could this really be the real one? You know, just a little bit of reserve. But then as things kept spilling out, it's like, no, this is just like all the others. This is not, this is not a legitimate pandemic. And well, that brings me to content safe, which is actually pre was an idea before uh, the lockdowns. And that's the idea of being able to help people, even people I disagree with, uh, to spread their content so that there is discussion and there needs to be discussion and there's nothing to be afraid of and people, even the craziest ideas need to be talked about. And the older I get, the less I think that things are crazy. So what do you mean right? by that? So, yeah. hmm? What do you mean by that? Like, the, like I'm, I'm curious that that's fascinating to think like the, the older you get, the you think the less it's crazy. Are you thinking it's like it's more deliberate or it's, uh, well, it, it's like isolated. Would have, well, things that I considered crazy whenever I was younger. Okay. Now I'm like, well, maybe that's not so crazy. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, and, and this goes off into, is it possible? Mm -hmm. and oh I'm not yeah. Gonna, yeah. It, 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 let's say, is it possible that a particular academic view on something that's been accepted for a hundred or 200 years could be wrong. And I'm like, yeah, totally it's possible. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. I misunderstood what you were saying. Like, I was just thinking like you maybe meant that like, um, the craziness that's being exhibited because there's no question about the fact that there's craziness everywhere, mm. but that's, that's, a uh, that's, a uh, you know, as, as we move more and more into this crazy realm, like it's just, uh, it's, 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 I don't know. Anyway, yeah, whatever. <laughs> crazy train. It's a crazy train. But yeah, no, that's 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 it, man. Like we've been pushed past the point of what we thought was possible, and now we're questioning everything. Like, is the Earth round? Is there what I mean? You know, like like did we really all just 
uh, where we all just spawned 200 years ago after this great mud flood. I mean, what's, what's right. really going on here? Like, <laughs> yeah, well you begin to, and you know, some people would say that's dangerous, but I would say the only thing that's dangerous is for you to stop questioning. Yes. Uh, my biggest concern with say the flat earthers or some of these others is that they get so con so fossilized in that viewpoint that they can't consider being wrong. Totally. And, you know, for me, I, I've been playing around with this idea from the philosophy of science. It's called falsification. And every, this is from Karl Popper, one of the eminent philosophers of science of the 20th century. His, he added to the scientific method, the doctrine of falsification, which meant that if you have an idea you need to show what would need to be true for your idea to be wrong. Mm. Interesting. And I, what, what I see in communities is I don't see anybody considering, well, what, how could you prove me wrong? What would I need to know to be proven wrong? They're like, no, there's no way for you to prove me wrong. Well, see, that's a mistake. You need to have criteria for being proven wrong. It adds legitimacy and it also gives you an internal check that you've you're willing to say, okay, you know what? I feel that I'm right, but if you could show me X, Y, and Z, then I, I would have to admit I'm wrong. There's nothing wrong about being wrong. Absolutely not. I agree. And I feel like also part of the brilliance of this, you know, to whatever, give these bastards credits, like they, they literally put out enough information on both sides to where it just appears that either side there's a legitimate argument for either side to be true. you know. Right. Right. And it really comes down to who are you going to put your faith in? Yeah. And it's really are just a gonna... divide and conquer strategy, it seems. And if you uh, had had a relatively simple life that you trusted your doctor, trusted your, your teacher, your principal or whatever, your life isn't really all that complicated uh, and you haven't really experienced anything that's that nuanced in life, then it's going to be easy for you to say, well, my doctor said that uh, I should, I should take this. Yeah, totally. And you don't even consider the possibility that your doctor's wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's that appeal to authority. Like we don't even really envision, you know, like, well, how could they possibly be wrong? They're the authority figures. They're the, the white lab coats. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, uh, before all of this, I think back in maybe 2013 or so, a lot of those uh, communities like Tragedy and Hope at the time were talking about uh, fallacies, right? Mm -hmm. And the appeal to authority is a fallacy. So I remember downloading an app on fallacies at one point and under a, the appeal to authority, it says, you know, appealing to authority, unless it's a legitimate authority, then it's not a fallacy anymore. I'm like, doesn't that like completely undermine the whole, th the whole idea? Yeah. That seems like they're just messing with you. They're like, <laughs> yeah, don't take anybody's like, really? word for it unless they're, unless they're really authoritative and right, take our word then, for it because we're authoritative. Oh my God. Yeah. It's not, that's that, that definitely doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I was, I was going to ask you a little bit about, uh, so you have a, like, so for maybe the listeners that don't know, you talked about the, um, 
autonomy community. Like, what, what did you say? Like the Grand Theft. Okay, so for me, I came to these guys through Grand Theft World. Like that's it was so mm-hmm. it was new to me. Like I'm pretty relatively new to Richard right. Grove and the whole crew, man. Like I just had no idea. And uh, yeah, man, I'm like all in. I was like, this is the second episode in a row I've talked about it even too. And like, dude, well, yeah. no, they're great. Uh, the autonomy community is great. Yeah. Uh, Richard's been in the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the mid 2000s. Uh, so that was 9-11 synchronicity. And out of 9-11 synchronicity came tragedy and hope. And mm-hmm. I met Rich by way of tragedy and hope. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. So I came on board, not at the beginning, but somewhere in the middle of all this. And he, he had, and I had been talking for several years. Uh, whenever autonomy came up, uh, I, I thought it was a wonderful idea. And in fact, I told Rich that as I'd been viewing people's content, I kept saying, you know, a lot of this stuff is very good for business. Understanding better how the world works is important when you are running a business. And that's basically at the root of what he's trying to achieve. He's giving you a better understanding of how the world actually works, where your dangers really are. And then he's providing for at least specifically marketing people ideas for how to market your ideas and how to sell yourself. But on top of that is the community of autonomy. And autonomy is just a fantastic community. It's awesome. You've got right a lot of fairly like-minded, though surprisingly diverse uh, people. Uh, you're not, they're not all crazy guys in their basement. Uh, you've got people from all over the world, basically. I, I've met people from the Middle East. I've met people from Northern Europe. Uh, Britain, Australia. Um, I don't think I've met. I don't know if I've met anyone from South America or Africa yet, but just give it time. Totally. You'll find some there too. And they've been very gracious in, uh, you know, promoting content safe. Yeah. I've heard him on uh, some episode recently talking. I think it was the one with Ricky Verandas. They were talking you up a little bit. It's cool. Yeah, it's definitely on my bucket list to to do that one of these days for sure. Go through that whole course. So definitely. Yeah. Well, awesome. you want, you know what's nice about it is once you're in, you're in for life. Yeah, that's great. So you don't necessarily have to learn everything the first time that you go through. Mm. That's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, the other question I had, I was going to ask you about. So we talked a little bit about just uh, you know the divide and conquer, and here in the United States, it's yeah. kind of like the apex of the idea of divide and conquer. And I'm just kind of curious being in a Mm -hmm. completely different culture, different, you know, political system. Like what are you seeing? Because we know all these governments are using implementing divide and conquer strategies. Are you seeing that in your region? Because over here it's like race, gender, you know, all that stuff. I figured maybe I, I, maybe this is, maybe I'm ignorant. I don't know, but I'm assuming maybe Southeast Asia is a little more homogenous. So it may be harder to divide along racial lines. I don't know. But, uh, you know, one thing about, one thing about where I'm at is we've never been unified. Mm. Uh, it's been a struggle. As I've often said, the Philippines where I'm at mm. should really be about at the minimum six different countries because each region is very 
even though there's a lot of similarity culturally, they're very, very, very clannish. Mm, yeah. Very clannish. So you have places in the north that, um, one, they didn't follow any of the protocols the whole time. And two, they regulate who can come in and out of their province. So they don't allow any riffraff in. And that includes central government mm. officials. That's awesome. So if they don't, if they don't want you there, you're not going to go there. So divide and conquer, we're already divided. Mm. And some would argue we're already conquered. <laughs> But what I found is, is that the attitude amongst many people I know is that they get by, they maintain good networks. Uh, I know people that during the last two years, they've never been stopped up and prevented from traveling. And two, they never got vaccinated. And they continue to conduct business like nothing ever changed. And it's because they understand how to do it. Now, there are people who believe the news that they either killed themselves because they couldn't stand losing their business over all of this, uh, or they just believed it out of being a good citizen. You know, uh, they, 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 whatever the government says, is whatever they're going to do. And I guess every place has those people. Uh, I, I think that they're not really a credit to the society though, because they, they don't realize that they're, that the, the, the power structure isn't really there to help them yeah. and that they're ultimately being exploited. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. Crazy, man. So I don't know. Am I answering your question? No, that's, that's great. That's, 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 that's very interesting. You know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, because, uh, it's just so blatant here. It's just so in your face everywhere. It's like, and it's so, once you have eyes to see it, it's so clear. It's so clear that these are literally just things that they are implementing to divide our culture and just everything, you know, pit neighbor against neighbor and rip families apart. Like it's just, that is the agenda, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I, I still have family in the States um, that help me manage my business and they're, they're actually fairly mellow. My brother is completely on board with me. That no way I'm not being a lab rat. Yeah. But my niece, my niece, that's just a daughter of my brother. I like, no, well, we got to do this to keep our jobs. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I, well, but they still have him over for Sunday brunch every week. Uh, they just all agreed not to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, if you can at and, least get to that place, that seems like a reasonable mm -hmm. place to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's funny. I had parents. Wait. My mom My mom was very liberal. My dad was very conservative. And the only time I ever saw him fight growing up was over politics. Like, the back during the, I just remember during, like, the Clinton years. Like, they were always at each other's throat about that stuff. And then <laughs> they, they made a pact, and they said, we, we will never talk about politics ever again. And they never did, and I never saw them fight ever again. They're still together today. It's like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, but, but you know, I, I think I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about divisions. But at the same time, I think that we need to accept that there are always going to be divisions mm -hmm. because you can't get everybody on the same page. We need to be grateful, though, that it does seem like 
more and more people are realizing that they've been hoodwinked. Yeah, I hope so. And again, like what you were saying, it's okay to be wrong. Everybody, it's okay to be wrong. Like each one of us, you mm-hmm. know, we can take a look at the areas in our lives. Hey, maybe I wasn't hundred percent right about that. And maybe I was a little too judgmental towards that one person for on both sides. Right. And, uh, right. as we wait, you know, venture into this new era of truth and hopefully, you know, some justice, like we'll see, but you know, it's going to be really important. And, and who knows, you know, maybe all these fo- folks who we considered enemies, like once the de- the beast at the top really reveals itself and exposes itself, we're going to be forced to kind of have to work together and just, just for basic survival. Like, I don't know what that looks like. But. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, oh, I've told you about the American attorney, Robert Barnes. Yeah, I know Robert Barnes. Well, I know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on, he's on uh, Alex Jones a lot. So, yeah, he yeah, comes on my radar yeah. quite a bit. And he's, uh, I like him. Uh, I don't know as I necessarily agree with everything the guy says, but uh, he does make an interesting point because you listen to people like Shiva, Dr. Mm-hmm. Shiva, and Shiva's very hostile towards, say, someone like Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, but you listen to Barnes, and Barnes is like, you know, these power brokers, they do fight with one another. And if you can find one of those people that's willing to ally with you, mm-hmm. they're still the reptile, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But but they're 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 an ally in this in this moment. Totally. He said. He said you need to take advantage of that. Totally. So I'm I've been trying to personally get in touch with Melinda Gates. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> Melinda, yeah. what's up, I girl? Like, hey, I'll I take you out. Nice I, dinner, you know. Oh, get man. You. <laughs> I tell you what, th- there are certain reptiles that I think you probably should never trust. Oh yeah, and, totally. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that would be something. I was tweeting at her like right, right after all that went down. I remember I sent a tweet like at Melinda Gates, like, what's up, girl? What you doing? <laughs> so, so uh, did you ask her if she gets half of the eugenics program? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Like, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> oof, oof, brutal. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, shoot, Matthew, while we're winding down here, man, like we, we've, we've kind of danced around what content safe is. And I kind of assume that most people know what content safe is, but you know, what would you tell our audience, especially all of you content creators out there? Like if you guys have a show, if you guys are, talking about the things that we, that you came here to listen to. If you guys are in mm-hmm. the alternative media in any way whatsoever, like you need to get up to speed with content safe. And hopefully someday you can get, uh, you know, get, get content safe to do work for you because I've content safe has worked for me for a long time and they have made my life infinitely times easier. So Matthew, tell us about what content safe is all about. Well, uh, I would like to tweak my language on how I describe content safe a bit. Uh, I've usually approached this from a more technical description, but I want to look at this just from an audience perspective. Content safe is the bridge to the new media. That's great. Right. We've had a lot of content creators. I still have quite a few content creators that are on YouTube, Uh, but those days are ending. Yeah. you know, I, and it really doesn't matter what you create because as I perceive it, the goal here is to get rid of all independent content creators and to create a corral of contracted creators. I think that that's what YouTube wants. 
because in that way they can control what's being produced. The new media is these two dozen web portals that are out there. Then there's not just a, you know, there's quite a few, probably two dozen or more. There's some big ones like Odyssey, BitChute, Rockfin. Uh, those are the big dogs. But there's a lot of smaller puppies out there that you could get still several thousand views on a video in some of these smaller platforms. These are separate communities. So mm -hmm. what we're providing is a way to get your content out to these other audiences that have decided that they're going to give up on the legacy platforms. That's great. So that's content safe. That's great. And so in other words, like, so that you guys know, like basically, so for me as a content creator, the functionality of it being like, not only are you keeping the content safe, right? You're, you've got, you've got like backups for all the episodes and stuff. If God forbid, like I keep all mine on like a portable hard drive and that's probably a huge vulnerability. Like I could drop it or get wet or something and lose everything. So, you right. know, the idea being get it out into different platforms. So like these, the, they exist even if like BitChute goes down, whatever it's still on Rockfin or if Rockfin goes down, it's still on Odyssey. Right. So the more, the better. Right. And that's just a good philosophy to have is to get your information out to as many platforms and audiences and eyeballs and ears as you possibly can. But like for me, just on a logistical level, like Matthew, what, what, what we've got, what, 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 we, what we've done, what we've done is, is basically I'll upload one video to a platform and then Content Safe takes it and distributes it to all the other platforms. And if you're a content creator, how in the world are you going to maintain your sanity while trying to upload your videos to like all these different platforms? It's just maddening. So it's right. been, it's been, you know, it's been a, 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 like all the work that you've done for me, it's been a real blessing. So, yeah. And we, we are constantly expanding what we do. Uh, the last week I've been a bit distracted with helping uh, Ernest Hancock yeah. uh, awesome. with his IPFS project. He's been attempting for the last two years to publish his show to IPFS, which is a new, well, not really new. It's probably getting close to 10 year old technology that is a distributed uh, content distribution network. That's not centrally controlled at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is very exciting technology because it means that essentially the new, the platforms of the future aren't going to be owned by corporations. Oh, They're going to be, be owned by the community. Wouldn't that be amazing to innovate like this new web-based infrastructure that not only gives us full like independence and the ability to avoid censorship, but it also makes the power structure and their technological dominance that they have irrelevant. That would just be amazing. Well, and, and you know, it, it does provide a means for conventional business to run where it, this type of technology is built on top of the, the established internet. Mm -hmm. So people who want to stay back in normie space, you know, you can get your digital ID and get chipped up and uh, that's fine. If you trust those guys with that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of us are want to stay out in a place that we are a bit freer. Totally. Absolutely. Oh man. I didn't realize my computer not plugged in. Oh man. Uh, let's see. Uh, what about the other thing that just came up too, is I've heard a lot of people talking about uh, like web three. Do you know anything about that or what, yeah, that, what that's all uh, about? IPFS, IPFS is actually part of web three. Okay. Well, what would you say web three is like in a, in just like a couple of sentences? Well, how would you uh, summarize it? Web three is the merger of crypto and uh, distrib distributed uh, communications networks. Mm. So, things like IPFS to allow for the distrib distribution of information, mm -hmm. right? 
and then crypto to be a payment channels. So you were talking earlier about yeah. a, a freedom related uh, PayPal. Well, that's crypto. Crypto is freedom related PayPal. Yeah. It, it's just using tokens uh, instead of dollars. Totally. And if you, if you think about it, the, the tech and crypto, I can get dollar equivalents in Luna, which is a crypto that no bank controls Luna. Mm -hmm. It's controlled by the community. Mm. So it's a pegged stable coin to the dollar. And the, the network, the Luna network is amazing because they have the capability to make stable tokens stable tokens for every national currency. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, all of that stuff, man. Like, yes, yes, yes. Keep going, everybody. Uh, everybody that's in that space. I know like the podcasting 2.0, that's something that I've really been wanting to kind of learn more about. I haven't quite gotten that all figured out yet, but uh, we're just learning and growing and uh, hopefully as a, as a human race, more towards freedom and liberty and, I'm away from all dark, evil stuff. So, wow, right on. Um, well, shoot, Matthew. Well, thank you, man, for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. It's always well, good catching up. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, just let the listeners know where they can, uh, you know, where they can follow you or learn more about what you got going on. Well, our website is contentsafe.co. My main company is anomalousdesign.co. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about is I have a freelance mechanics service that we're also offering it's called mechanic-mobile.co well what this is all new I, to me like tell me about this yeah, yeah yeah well it's something that it's actually been two years in the making uh we built a freelance portal for auto mechanics and, and automobile owners and what we're trying to do is get it launched this quarter uh for wow. second quarter uh and try to get some test users on board and it's hopefully going to be franchised. So it's like the so Uber, we, the Uber of auto mechanics type of thing, or like just people yeah, can or just like a, a, the up the upwork of auto mechanics, oh, gotcha. yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I really think it's a it's it's an idea whose time has arrived. I yeah. see other people trying to do it. We're trying to be more hands on. My business partner is a is an auto mechanic. We're trying to vet people as they come on. We're trying to vet the customers as they come on. But the other level of this is we're trying to make it into a decentralized corporation. Hmm. We want to get, uh, for instance, let's say that uh, you wanted to help us in the Nashville area. And you, we will be offering franchises for regions. Wow. So you give us a franchise fee. And we will provide all the infrastructure and what the franchise owner's responsibility is to do all the vetting for the mechanics and the customers. Mm. So it puts people close to the business rather than making the, it's some mammoth corporation way up here where we don't know anybody. We would like to know the franchise holders, but we'd like the franchise holders to know the customers. Wow. That sounds amazing. Like, not only is this like a great idea just for practical purposes and then a useful service to the people, but a different corporate model, a different business model, and like a proof of concept, like, hey, guys, check it out. But right. wow. And then, you know, something like that, I guess it's a uh, hinging on the morality of those who put it into the world. Right. So, you know, like and that, then, and, it's like anything. Well, yeah. There are going to be bad people and they're going to yeah. be good people. Totally. 
And, and this is another thing that I think we have to come to grips with that there are no utopias. No, yeah, definitely. And, and one of our mistakes is thinking that through vast centralization that we can produce a utopia. And it's never yeah. been true. Never will be true. Yes. You will never get utopia at the end of the barrel of a gun. Like that's <laughs> that's right. Right. That's not a utopia. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, what I was saying is like, you know, you're just one of the most like solid standup guys. Like, cause you and I have had lots of interactions behind the scenes, man. And you're like the most helpful, friendly, just like legit straight up person. Like one of, one of the, you know, best people I've met in terms of just like, you know, all the things. And so for, for you to be rolling out something like this, it seems like a very, um, you know, just a, a good thing, like a very uh, uh, benevolent thing. And that's awesome. So man, well, like, keep me posted. My this. goal, yeah. You know, my my goal. I don't actually need a whole lot to to be uh, content in, in terms of money. And as I keep telling people about content safe, I'm like, well, yeah, we'd like content safe to be so, to be solvent. We'd like it to make money because we have to pay contractors. Yeah. We have to pay for servers. We like to expand and do things that maybe we don't have the resources to do at the moment. But at the same time, it's not like I need content safe to live. I've got enough talent and I believe that the universe provides mm-hmm. period. Totally. I, I, I absolutely believe that I've been doing, I've been living by the seat of my pants for 30 years. I've never missed a bill. I've never missed a meal. Right. Yeah. So it's not like I can't do this. And my family that's around me, they're all talented people. Whenever it comes time that I can no longer do this, I know that I'll be taken care of. I have no worries about that. Wow. So I want to see this. I want to see this helping content creators be liberated. That's my goal. Yeah, that's great, man. And I just can't thank you enough for, for all that you're doing for everybody in the community, man. It's amazing. Awesome. You guys will shoot. Uh, Any final thoughts or anything? Well, uh, maybe you and I can talk after the call. I got some ideas for you. Okay. Well, I'll stick around. Definitely. So, all right, everybody. Well, make sure you please go visit contentsafe.co. Stay tuned for this new revolution in uh, the car mechanic world. And, and yeah, guys. So, um, yeah, Matthew, thank you so much, brother, for being here once again. Much love and appreciation. Thank you. Peace.